Hey everyone, Jason here. Before we get going, I just wanted to take a moment to give a quick shout out to the new paid membership option that we recently rolled out. This option is meant for people that have been getting value from the podcast and want to enable us to keep producing it in a more sustained way. It's also for people that want extra stuff, such as bonus content, a Slack room that's vibrant and filled with people tackling climate change from a wide range of backgrounds and perspectives, as well as a host of programming and events that get organized in the Slack room. We also have a virtual town hall once a month where you can get a preview of what's to come and provide feedback and input on our direction. We'll be adding more membership benefits over time. If you want to learn more, just go to the website, myclimatejourney.co. And if you're already a member... Thank you so much for your support. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. This is Jason Jacobs, and welcome to My Climate Journey. This show follows my journey to interview a wide range of guests to better understand and make sense of the formidable problem of climate change and try to figure out how people like you and I can help. Today's episode of the MCJ Startup Series is with Phoenix Tailings and Nick Myers, the co-founder and CEO. Phoenix Tailings produces high-quality primary metal products remined from mining tailings. Through their proprietary remining technology, they significantly reduce production costs and pass these savings on to their customers. Through their relationships with top-tier mining and refining companies, they create domestic supply chains of critical materials. All of their products are 100% sustainably produced with no direct carbon emissions supporting their mission to create a zero-waste world. I first met Nick when he was an associate at Techstars, and I was a mentor in residence at the time, and it's been so great to watch his progress with Phoenix Tailings, and it was great also to learn more about their long vision and what we have to look forward to next. Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Jason. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's kind of strange to uh, to be on Zoom with you because before all this pandemic crap, we we actually worked in the same office every day, and I, I like that place. And now, not only do we not work in the same office, but that uh, the office closed. They they couldn't make it through the pandemic. I know, I know. It's such a bummer. Uh, I miss I miss GSV Labs. It was one of the best places in the, in the startup community in Boston. I, that's that's exactly. I think that's exactly where we met. Or do we meet at the uh, we work in in Fort Point originally a few years ago. Yeah, actually, no, we met. Yeah, we met when you were, uh, you know, pre Phoenix Tailings when you were an associate pre- at TechStars. That's true. It's true. Very good times. I miss those days uh, to too. some extent. Although I think this is a bit a bit easier on this end. I, I swear, being an associate at TechStars was probably one of the hardest things we went through, but it was great. Good experience. Nice. Well, uh, well, I'm excited <clears throat> to. Uh, to pick up again, I know that you know we've had some discussions about Phoenix Tailings not recording, uh, but uh, <laughs> but I think what you're doing is really interesting. So I'm excited to have you on the show, both to learn more about it, but also to help introduce you guys to anyone that that might not be aware, which is probably a lot of our listeners. <laughs> well, thanks, Jason. It's an honor to be here. Well, so. Uh, do, do you want to just jump into the slides and then I'll ask questions sure. as we go? Perfect. That sounds great. Happy to do so. Cool. So I'll turn it over to nice. you. You drive. Awesome. So Phoenix Tailings is a little bit different than most deep technology companies that you'll see in the startup industry. 
we were not founded out of a university with new technology that was built in MIT or Harvard that we're now trying to commercialize and bring into the world. That, that wasn't the case at all, really. In fact, Phoenix Tailings was started with an idea, an idea that we can solve some of the biggest problems you see in mining today. So actually, uh, it was myself and uh, Tomas who initially started this conversation at a Bible study about three years ago. I met Tomas at this Bible study. We started talking late at night. Uh, you know, my background's originally in physics, so I have some science background, but I worked in finance for the most, most uh, majority of my career, uh, including Techstars Boston, which is where I met Jason, and um, in a few different other startups in the area. But Tomas and I started talking about some of the biggest challenges. We saw it honed in on this big challenge in mining. The fact is that we're throwing away so much waste in the mining industry today and some of the biggest problems that are faced there. And, and what Tomas, led you to look at mining in the first place? Well, so actually, so my family owned a mine uh, a while back, a coal mine in, uh, in Pennsylvania. Uh, it's sold now, actually, actually went underwater, uh, both physically and financially. Um, but oh, no. uh, that was originally part of it. And my uncle's in mining in Nevada. So I actually grew up with my grandparents uh, going to see the um, Arizona copper mines uh, and seeing the tailings ponds there. At the time, I thought it was like the coolest thing in the world. I still think it's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. But uh, it was the coolest thing in the world as a kid growing up and seeing that. So um, that was really what we looked at. And Tomas's background is crazy deep tech material science at MIT uh, and BU focusing on uh, metallurgy, right? So he was very involved in the metal space his whole life. Uh, his family's from Mexico. Um, originally where actually the groundwater in a lot of cases is poisoned because of mining waste and because of processing and metallurgy production waste too. So it was a real key thing to him. That's actually why he went into study metals and materials production because he wanted to find a solution to that problem. Uh, so it's pretty cool. Uh, it's, it's been Ooh, a while. So you guys so it's a, a part of it. something to do. Your family yeah. came from the mining industry, started looking in mining, and then had to get from there to, uh, um, to founding the company. Yeah. Well, so I started talking to Tomas about it and we, uh, I, so at the time I didn't know what Tomas was doing, right? He's way too smart, brilliant guy. Uh, and so I mentioned this concept to him after uh, you know, uh, getting to know each other for a little while, this concept of tailings, this waste product is produced. Um, and he says, Nick, do you know what, do you know my degrees in? I go, Tomas, you are way too freaking smart for me. I have no idea what your degree is in. And he goes, well, it's molten salt electrolysis specifically on extractive metallurgy. Okay. So that means what? He goes, I take garbage and pull out valuable material. It's like, oh, so he has an, he's had an idea on uh, mining tailings and extracting value out of it for years, but he hadn't done anything with it. He says, Nick, you want to do something? I said, absolutely. So it may not sound pretty, pretty big for you guys, but for us, I put $7,000 down the next day, which was a huge amount of money for me at the time. So uh, we were pretty excited. Immediately, he was like, oh my gosh, you're serious. So he, we started moving forward. He brought in Michelle. They worked together at uh, MIT uh, when he was there. She does powder metallurgy. She worked at Mark Forge, one of the top additive manufacturing companies. So knows that in and out. And then I brought in Anthony Balladon, actually, who I met through my career advisor doing my MBA. Uh, Anthony found us and said, uh, he came from South Africa where he saw a lot of tailings problems. And he says, Nick, I have to work with you. I'm like, we don't have a company. We don't have money. We have, we have literally nothing. And he goes, no, I don't care. I'm working with you. doesn't matter. How do you say no to that, right? Like so, so uh, we started working together um, and built the first prototype. Like I said, on seven thousand dollars in a backyard in Cambridge, Massachusetts, uh, taking bauxite residue, which is a waste product in the aluminum industry, and pulling out iron as well as rare earth metals, uh, alleviating the challenge of the toxicity, the remediating it, but creating these new metals. That was our first prototype, um, and that was about 
uh, year and a half ago now, two years ago now. Uh, so it's, it's pretty cool. So that was kind of the origin of it. Once we did that, we started talking to more folks. We won the University of Connecticut's uh, new venture competition. Uh, so like a startup competition they have in Connecticut. And that was the first money we got into the company, which was $20,000. We're very excited about it. And we got backed by Techstars a little bit later, uh, raised our uh, pre-seed and then our seed round. Started working with a couple of mines and keep building technology. And so now we don't have a backyard. Well, we do have a backyard, but we're not doing technology development anymore. We're now in an actual lab, which I cannot explain to you how great that is. Uh, it's uh, much better than looking up in the sky to see if it'll rain that day to do experiments. So uh, now we're in Woburn, Massachusetts with a 3,500 square foot lab processing sludge. We have a few metric tons of sludge in our backyard and pulling out the value of metal. So that's kind of the origin story of Phoenix Stanley's right there. Nice. Well, I have questions. Is it better to ask some of them now or to dive into the deck and come back? Well, by all means, I feel free to ask any questions. I'm happy to go on, but dive, uh, pop in and well, pop, pop out well, the questions. One question that comes I'll to mind is just, is just uh, you know, before, in a world before Phoenix tailing. So I, so I guess uh, BPT, in a, you know, in a world BPT, uh, how did these uh, tailings ponds get mined for metals, if at all? Yeah, so that's a great question. And so mining in the mining industry is built around companies that are have a lot of cash and they're pulling out one single metal. Sometimes they get two, sometimes three. Uh, but it's not really geared about pulling in a holistic value of metal from it. So these tailings ponds have been approached in the same way. Normally speaking, what you see is a massive tailings pond, which I think I have a photo of in a second here. This is a tailings pond, if you guys haven't seen one before. Uh, and normally it's gone after by pulling out that one metal that you're harvesting, right? So if you're a gold miner and you're mining rock for gold, you'll go back through your tailings when your technology gets better to pull out more gold, to increase your efficiencies or increase your, your yields. Um, we're radically different. We're approaching it in a totally different way about how you look at it. Instead of going after the gold tailings and saying, hey, let's pull out more gold and use that same technology that's more advanced now to pull out more gold. We're saying, let's look at the other things because there's iron, titanium, alumina, silica, and rare earths many times in these tailing sites that are of a lot of value, just not what you're looking at when you're first going to mining. And if you can do that in an economic way, get rid of the bulk materials and maintain some economics, and then start going after the more high value materials, you can generate a positive financial return on the holistic value. So in doing so, you alleviate that major liability, which is this massive sludge pond right here, but also create new metal uh, in a radically different way than they did before. So that's a little bit of and, long winded answer. And from a skills, equipment, uh, et cetera, standpoint, how different is it to, to extract uh, one type of metal versus another? Uh, does it, does it vary widely across these different types or, or is there a lot of, uh, um, kind of reusable processes and, uh, and equipment and expertise? Mm, great question. Yeah, great, great question. So uh, so we build uh, modular systems, right? So that's the key part about what we do. So you can think of our technology in three major formats, the three major fields, if you will. Hydromet, which is just water-based processing. So putting water through a system in the right way, in the right form to pull out other materials. Solvable metallurgy, which is putting in solvents and different types of chemicals in there to pull out materials. And then electrochemistry, which is our, that's our real bread and butter. That's where we really shine. That's Tomat a specific degree is in that field where you're pumping electricity through with the right uh, solvents in there to pull out the actual final metal product, not just a concentrator, not just a base product. So 
the the technology itself differs quite substantially uh, to looking at different materials. And the CapEx is radically different across the board. But by building in the right ways where you're going after this base level materials first that are more common. Uh, for example, iron and silica, generally speaking, are part of the vast majority of tailings. But then the more niche products is the rare earths. That's the neodymium, the scandium. These are very, very, very high value metals. Things that go for $24,000 a kilogram like scandium. Um, these items are that's radically different. So that's added on towards the end on a site that actually would have that, whereas not all sites have that. And by building this in the right way, where each module, think of it as a shipping crate container, is built in the right format to focus on that, you're able to not just focus on the one tailing site, which is how previously people think about uh, mining in general. You pull out one metal from this one site. We can actually take it and take this technology, pull out a number of metals from this site, but also customize it to some extent to another site, and then another, and then another, and another. So making a scalable solution. Exciting. So the the um, the tailings that have been mined in the past have those are there companies that focus on that that are vendors to the mines or is it the mines that are doing this work themselves? Yeah. So uh, in many cases, the 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 big mines will actually do the R and D themselves on actually how do we extract value from the tailings. Uh, so companies like Alcoa have their own entire R and D arm in Australia that focuses specifically on getting the value from uh, bauxite residue or alumina alumina waste. Uh, companies like Rio Tinto, Anglo-American, a lot of them have their own individual R&D arms, but there are also players in the space that are technology providers that actually go to that space. Like uh, this was an example of showing a couple of the companies that operate in the space, uh, Global Mineral Recovery, pulling out uh, something called magnetite, which is a form of iron oxide used in steel production. Uh, Orbite pulls out something called high purity alumina. Unfortunately, they went bankrupt recently. Um, they, they IPO'd and had some challenges financially as well as made a high energy system to do so. And then um, you know, Scandium National Mining Corp is the one that create, they pull out rare earth metals, specifically Scandium, which you know, selling for $24,000 a kilogram, hey, people are gonna wanna go after that, right? So uh, we can both work with, uh, with these folks because we build the system modular. So we, we do a number of processes. I don't necessarily care if we're the ones inventing the innovative technology specifically, or we're working with players that have that innovative technology, but combining it together in the right way and the right form is really where we work. So um, we work with these players and we work with the big minds on their R&D that they do too. So it's very exciting. <clears throat> so if I'm hearing right, uh, it, it sounds like you sell both to the mines and potentially to the companies who sell to the mines. Is that right? Um, in some cases, we could sell to the companies that sell to the mines. Uh, we haven't yet. Primarily, we do just sell directly to the mines because they're open to having those discussions. Uh, and so our major customer is, the, the, is one of the platinum mines. So we do work directly with the mines and there's not that many of the, at least the major mines. So it makes a lot of sense to go through it. But we do see a partnership with companies like Metso, uh, which is one of the big technology players uh, and the other bigger players, and as well as with these folks here. Uh, but that's that's our target in the future. Not quite there yet. <clears throat> so, uh, um, and, and what is the the pitch to these mines? What's the value proposition of working with Phoenix Tailings? Yeah. So, um, Phoenix Tailings. One of the biggest things that we do for these mines is we eliminate their waste. Right. So, mining tailings are an enormous waste product for mines. It's a huge liability, a big challenge for them to deal with. We take our, our technology and can alleviate that entirely. That's our goal anyway. Right now, you know, we're still early technology. Let's keep that uh, very transparent here. Uh, for bauxite residue, we usually yield about a 56% volume reduction while creating uh, positive uh, financials, which is pretty exciting. That's pretty revolutionary compared to some of the other players who put around 20% volume reduction. 
So the biggest thing to a mine is eliminating that liability. But we work with them right now and saying, hey, look, we want to solve your major problem of liability here with your tailings. But there's a massive ton of material produced, right? A normal iron ore mine is going to produce between five and 100 million metric tons of iron, uh, iron tailings. That's a lot. Right now, our lab produces maybe process 100, gra 100 grams at a time. Right? We're not there yet. So we work with these mines and say, hey, help us help you. And so we ask them to help us build our, uh, fund us and build us our, our, help us build the technology to be able to get to that level. And we can sell the primary metal that is created at the end of it. So the things like the iron, the titanium, the rare earth metals, we work with them and say, hey, look, we'll sell these materials and give you a percentage of the profits. And so we're open to a number of different of business models with them, of course, but that's the biggest one that we pitch to them. And so that's gone quite well so far. So uh, just to play this back, so there are companies that uh, that can mine for tailings, but you mine for tailings in a way that has a uh, lower entry point, more versatility across uh, tailings types or or metal types, uh, more um, portability as it relates to taking the solution from uh, site to site, and in doing so, you also um, uh, you know, help reduce the waste that uh, that comes from the tailings ponds. When you show the competitive landscape, you talked about the uh, other players who uh, you know who mine these tailing ponds for these metals. If reducing the waste is a big part of the value proposition, a question I have is: uh, um, Are there companies that actually focus on uh, cleaning up the waste from the ponds versus the uh, remining? Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, you also so compete with them. Yeah. So I, this is always an interesting question. We get it a fair bit. And so we do compete with them to some extent, right? So say cement production. So Semex is a big major cement producer, right? And they're working on ways to use something called bauxite residue. Like I mentioned this before, uh, the byproduct of aluminum production in their process to create cement. Uh, in which case, yeah, they're a competitor to us because they're getting rid of the, the bauxite residue. Uh, and there's other players that'll do it. Uh, well, they'll do a full remediation. So Alcoa is working on uh, carbon sequestration where they dump essentially CO2 into their uh, tailings pond to get rid of the toxicity of the tailings because it's uh, the, the way it works that way. Uh, and they also get rid of their you know, CO2 challenges, right? So that is beneficial and that works. Um, that is a way for many mines to go. I have seen very few mines fully adopt that because it tends to be a cost sink. And so one of the challenges we see specifically in sustainability and building a closed loop, uh, a closed loop ecosystem or fairly circular economy here is that, you know, we like to talk about it. We like to do things, but until it's financially feasible, it doesn't end up being the major choice that these players choose. And so that's why there hasn't been any real adoption I mean, with red mud specifically. There's been less than 3% of all red mud globally is used in any fashion. Because, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's easier for an aluminum refiner to just put it in a massive sludge pond and leave it there than it is for them to put it into cement, to put it into the, do the carbon sequestration or do any of that remediation type. <coughs> so um, that's the challenge. That was one of the biggest challenges that we honed in on when we were first doing our customer discovery processes is that, hey, like, why don't we just get rid of it, put it, just move it somewhere else, use it in some other way with cement or some aggregate form or something like that, right? But economics don't work quite well. So, the challenge. so if you help them clean up their waste and they can then resell the, um, <clears throat> the metals that you recover, um, how is that business model structured? Is there a, a capital outlay from the, uh, you know, from the mine to have you come in and, uh, and, and do these 
cleanup efforts or is it a rev share on the, um, you know, on the, on the materials that you recover? Uh, how does it work? Yeah, that's a great question, Jason. Transparently, hey, we're early. Right. So we're, we're still building on the proof of concept prototype scale. So a lot of those questions about how, how do we specifically dive into this with these mines? We're still in discussion with them to figure out. But right now, obviously, we can't produce a, a facility that makes the processes 100 million tons a year. It's not happening right this second. But we ask the mine, say, hey, help us help you. So help us prove to you that this technology is safe and ready to use. And we'll build you a proof of concept. Just cover our basic cost. This is about $60,000, you know, for the early stage type stuff, right? Uh, then we work to the prototype, which is a little bit bigger, showing it more in a demonstrable size that we can produce these products that you're looking for. All the capital expenditures look good and everything looks safe and ready to use. Um, that shows them that, hey, we're ready to go to a full pilot. Once we get to that pilot stage, that's actually processing on-site, processing a sizable amount of material, about 10 metric tons a day is the target for a number of these sites. Um, to show that, hey, this has not just feasibility on a small scale, but we can actually rapidly scale that from, an, uh, from, a, uh, from a technology growth standpoint. And then we replicate that and grow that massively to the commercial scale. That's the, that's, that'd be the point there. So the early phase is really is they're just helping us cover cost at that point <laughs> to build these prototypes. And then at the, the scale on the pilot and the commercial stage, hey, we do still ask them to cover a lot of the buildup and the, the, the capital costs on that. But that's where we start actually truly getting their payback on the profit share. And so right now we're, we're in discussion with that where they would cover the cost of the capital expenditure buildup of these mines or of these sites itself through a joint partnership of some sorts uh, where they're getting the vast majority of the, uh, the upfront uh, profits because they're outlaying out the capital and we get the more upside on the, on the later end there. Uh, and then once we go to the commercial scale, that's the real big point for us. Uh, and do, and do you, thing, okay. uh, oh, go ahead, sorry. Well, I said our, our big thing is really working with the right people. Uh, you know, I talk about a little bit uh, sometimes uh, well, in the beginning, usually, but people is the biggest thing. And so working with the right players on the mining side that are willing to work with us through these challenges and be the leaders in innovation that can actually valorize tailings. That's that's what we're looking for. So it's more about partnerships than money in the early stages. Uh -huh. And uh, and hitting pause on talking about uh, Phoenix tailing specifically for a moment and kind of, uh, you know, zooming out and and looking at the, the bigger picture. One thing I wrestle with, and I mean, the caveat is that I'm the opposite of an expert. I'm, I'm just a learner that's kind of coming in fresh, but, you know, I hear over and over that mining is a dirty industry and that, uh, um, you know, you can, you can buff it or you can polish it or you can clean it up a little bit, but really like at its core, it's a, it's a dirty industry. On the other hand, uh, it powers uh, some, you know, metals and components and batteries and things like that that are essential for electrifying everything and and renewables which is a you know very Im important part of the of the clean energy transition so so putting aside feeling phoenix tailings for a moment maybe leaning more on the fact that your family you know that you grew up in the in the mining business how do you think about mining as an industry as it relates to things like climate change and then what path forward is the right one for the industry as it cleans, as it tries to clean up its act and reinvent itself. Mm, absolutely. So actually I have a little bit of a slide here on the beginning here for it, but so mining is dirty, right? At the end of the day, Hey, we're working with literal dirt, right? It's dirty. So it, it, it's a challenging issue. And I think over the years, it, it has got, um, it gotten a little bit of a bad rep in a lot of ways. You know, I think a lot of movies are made where the mines are the real villain of the movie. If you've ever seen the movie avatar, Right. It's all about mining on obtainium, destroying this local ecosystem to get the unobtainium. Same thing with Dukes of Hazards, where they're 
uh, mining coal in the big Deuce of Hazard thing. I like that show movie. So, um, but <laughs> it's 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 kind of a little bit of a negative brand in that regards. But to your point, Jason, mining really is the most essential industry, and I'm hands down ready to say that all across the deck, because your electric vehicle, your wind power is all powered by metal, right? Your shirt is colored by metal. Black iron oxide pigment is one of the biggest things, right? Your headphones, your computer, everything is reliant on metal. Uh, a gold ring that you have, uh, a gold wedding ring, produces a swimming pool of sludge in its production, right? So uh, I can go on facts all day about how, how challenging it is. You know, it, it, it has challenges with it, but it's so important to everyday life. And mining has historically really not embraced innovation. Uh, you know, mining technology, specifically the bauxite residue, or sorry, alumina production, has produced bauxite residue through its process. And the real technology, the core technology for alumina production hasn't changed for 200 years since the advent of the Bayer process, right? And similar to, I think, to the older days of pharmaceuticals, right? The bigger companies made a lot of the innovation, right? They didn't look to startups. They didn't look to anything else. They hadn't really innovated heavily like that, right? But now I think mining is starting to make a good turn. You know, we had a Proxtec mining studio summit today where we talked a lot with the bigger mines and they want to innovate. They want to try to find ways. And I think that's exactly the right way to move forward. They have to be open to innovation, be willing to embrace change and not see it as a threat to their industry, but actually see it as the best possible thing they can have. Because it won't be too long until companies like Mercedes are refusing to buy uh, aluminum produced without low carbon processes. It won't be too long until companies like Nespresso or uh, Coca-Cola, which is one of the biggest buyers of aluminum, are refusing to buy these metals that have tailings produced with it, right? So if mining can embrace that change and say, hey, we want to innovate, we want to do these new things, and really start leading the charge with finding innovation, working with startups, working with universities, working and in inspiring new change in the world and being ready to be the test pilots that, hey, Let's use this new technology in some way, small form, throw a little capital, not a lot, but just a little, just see how it goes and be ready to embrace that change. I think mining will pivot to not being the, the bad boy in the industry, but to really being the new driver of innovation because there's so much potential. We have so much value we can capture from it. It's so important to everyday life. And it, frankly, it's pretty freaking cool when you look at how mining works as a whole. And so if there were, we can make it better, like absolutely, let's go for it. So I think it's on a lot of the bigger players, the innovators, folks like yourself, Jason, spreading the word about stuff like this. I think it's on all of us to make sure that we push forward in this industry. Well, so uh, let's try a little role play. And if, uh, you know, if, if this question is out of bounds or not an area of core focus for you or things like that, then that's fine. We can, uh, we can move on to, uh, to something else. But I'm the CEO of BHP. I always wanted to be the CEO of a <laughs> the global mining company. Uh, and, uh, and you were just brought in as call it the chief innovation officer or the chief sustainability officer, or maybe even a combination of the two. And, uh, and you need to make some recommendations to that CEO about, uh, about what the clean future of mining should be. What, what does that vision look like? What, what are you selling? What, uh, what key tenants should that, uh, you know, should, mm. should, should, should the, you know, BHP 2.0, for example, uh, embrace? Mm, absolutely. Yeah. So, well, as the CEO of BHP, uh, I think you should install tenants that say, hey, zero carbon emissions or zero direct carbon emissions from our processes by 2030, zero direct tailings produced from our processes by 2050. These, are, these should be major things that we're putting into place. We should talk to, uh, talk to the innovation groups, put a large portion of our budget, not necessarily to individual startups per se, 
but to the innovation funds, groups like the BHP's corporate venture capital arm is actually one of the best, I should say, off the top of there. But uh, talking to these groups like Techstars, like Y Combinator, um, the Heritage Group is very involved in this type of stuff as well. And um, 500 startups, these groups and these venture capital firms and saying, hey, let's scour the globe for these companies, these technology people, these technology providers to find solutions for our problems and clearly show, hey, we need to improve. We need to fix these major environmental challenges. We need to eliminate direct carbon emissions because you can, you directly can. And we're choosing to not to at this point in time. Uh, because we don't have access to technology, we don't have access to the resources for whatever reason, but we need to make that decision. And same things on tailings. Hey, look, the technology may not be there right this second to actually valorize all of tailings and entirely eliminate it. But if we put the resources to that, we put the time, we put the effort in there, we can absolutely get to that point. Uh, and there's definitely ways we can really push and be leaders in that space and change the world. And is it about kind of incrementally improving the uh, the kinds of things that these mines do day to day today with their bread and butter, or or does a, a more fundamental change need to come about? I think there's a lot of changes with in, uh, the incremental changes that can occur, um, but I do think that's also a little bit of the danger. Right? We talked to an iron ore miner the other day and about their tailings, which have a lot of valuable materials in it, but they only wanted iron out of it because that's where they trade. That's what they want to do, right? So. But ultimately, at the end of the day, just it's physically not possible to valorize more than 20% of it because there's only 20% iron, right? So uh, you have to think differently and you have to be ready to embrace change. And that's what I would say. I think BHP actually does it quite well. They did a tailing challenge a little while back where they said, hey, we're open to all ideas. Just throw us everything you possibly have, uh, which is great. And I think ultimately it does need to be a radical change, at least at the, on some of the stuff like tailings valorization. Uh, and carbon emissions to some extent, like internet nodes are pretty, pretty different. And thinking about how do we approach that new radical difference and being ready to embrace that is pretty important. And I, I know from, uh, you know, from some discussions we had prior to uh, this recording today that on the tailing side, there's, there's kind of a health story there with, uh, mm. you know, with accidents, for example, or with, yeah. uh, you know, with pollution in the groundwater or, or things like that. There's a liability story. Um, yeah. Is there a carbon story there? Or, uh, or, or is the, you know, when you talk about those core objectives for like a BHP, for example, yeah. when it's about, you know, net zero for carbon and, uh, and then, you know, no, no tailings waste, are those separate and distinct or are those issues intertwined? And if, if so, how? So it is all intertwined. Uh, during the process of creating metal, uh, you take this rock, you put a bunch of chemical solvents in it and, you, uh, and pull out that base product, which is usually a combination of a few things. It's a concentrate and all the wasted stuff that 80% that you're not using is thrown away. And that is the tailings that you see here. There's 173 billion metric tons of tailings produced about the size of California covered in a foot deep waste, right? So there's a lot of stuff that I produce. But taking that concentrate and getting it to a final metal product, the actual metal that you have in computer, your phone, your ring, your car, et cetera, that is where the processes come in, takes a lot of the, the carbon emissions. Uh, and that is actually separating minerals, pulling things apart uh, and putting them in the final end format that gets it to that point. And so they are linked together because it's all about creating that final metal product, right? We could go after tailings and use different type of technology, something called pyrometallurgy, which is putting a blast furnace. I don't, probably don't need to explain it to you, but it's a lot of heat and, and fire and carbon emissions uh, to actually extract the metal, which is oftentimes that's where the bulk majority 
the, of the carbon emissions goes. But if you do it with electrolysis or other new forms of metal creation, you can eliminate the carbon uh, emissions that are produced in the process. And furthermore, by doing all of this on site and with tailings, they're already processed to an extent. So you're able to actually do this and link it together. You can link together two industries. One, the mining, which is digging up the rock, digging up the ore, pulling out the concentrate and base products. And two, the refining stages, which is actually taking those base products and turning them into the actual metal products themselves. And in doing so, you're actually alleviating a lot of the shipping, which is one of the biggest costs in the mining and refining metals industries today is shipping across the board, which as I'm sure you're aware, is one of the, also one of the biggest carbon challenges. So they are quite linked. Uh, there's really only two major byproducts of metal production. One is tailings or other metal byproducts along the way. And then two is carbon emissions, right? So they are linked in doing a sustainable uh, solution. Uh, you will need to tackle both of them. Uh-huh. And, and so when you think about the long vision for Phoenix tailings, if you're wildly successful beyond your imagination, what have you achieved? So what we'll have achieved is we're instead of harvesting rock that's currently underground and having to destroy things like, you know, the ocean floor, deep sea mining is one of the biggest pushes today where you're mining under the middle of the ocean. Uh, instead of doing things like that and destroying local ecosystems, destroying local environments when you do that, we're going after these massive land uh, landfills. And, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of these tailings left, 173 billions produced every year, right? There's a lot, there's trillions of tailings. So instead of harvesting those materials, which yeah, by nature, of course, we'll eventually run out of tailings at some point in time. But if you can do this in an efficient way, you've now taken something, you're only getting 20% of the value where you're going to get a hundred percent of the value. So that's the target there is that we're essentially doing uh, 80% less of the work we need to do to mine material. And we're harvesting, not just destroying the environment to do it, but harvesting these tailings and doing it in the same and simultaneously in the process, we're not creating any more carbon emissions. We're replacing this dirty, uh, high carbon metals in the world to being low carbon, uh, low carbon products produced in the world. That's the end goal of Phoenix Town. That's why we do what we do. And we talked a little bit about uh, earlier in this discussion about where you are stage wise. Um, How do you think about staging? So what are the next, you know, few key stages if you can look that far ahead and then what does that mean in terms of the current stage that you're in and the key milestones over the next say 12 months yeah totally so you know i always have the slide up here too but it's uh it's good because it's our real purpose right now is hey we've proven the science works on the technology we have and what that means is the physics the base level scientific principles is proven this can happen now we have to say okay Let's find the best possible way for it to happen and the best configuration, the best method that has the best efficiencies and the best economics that actually solves the problems that the mining industry is facing today. So building that system up to being the the size that it needs to be roughly between five and 10 kilograms of processing a day is roughly where we look at right now. But having that system built up that proves that so that Jason, I can send to you in your home a little bit of platinum or a little bit of iron, and you can say, wow, this is a real product that you produced, and I can show you the economics all the way through and what it would take to build up full on site. That is our goal right now. And with that, then we are ready to go and talk to the larger investors and talk to the bigger players and say, hey, once we have this done now, we can de-risk this. This is possible. All we need to do is work with these major minds who all they do all day long is scale technology and grow it faster as they possibly can. Work with them to scale that up and grow it and finally be able to actually pull out valuable products and on an actual mining size basis. 
So that's our real milestone. Um, that's where we need to get to in the next 12 to 18 months. Of course, there's parts of that, like hiring a team. Uh, we have eight people now. We're looking to hire two more folks on the science side, uh, getting actually proving that we can sell these metal products as well as getting high filing patents we need along the way. But it all boils down to building that technology and showing, hey, we can really do this at a sizable percentage, showing the economics, showing the capital expenditure needed and actually how to build this, this uh, at scale. And when you think about that next larger round to really scale up after you have proved it out, as you are describing, uh, what what do you think the best sources of that capital are, and how much of that is equity versus uh, debt or 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 some other structure? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're primarily looking at an equity round in the in the near future, at least for the next one. After that, we'll probably layer in venture debt or various different others uh, of financing in there as well. Uh, the next one specifically talking to the actual private investors will probably be an equity round. Roughly speaking, $5 million is about what we're looking at right now. Granted, this is a year from now, so we'll see uh, a little bit further. Uh, we just closed our seat, so bear with me. But uh, probably uh, it'll be from those, those VC players that really operate in this space. And not necessarily mining specifically, but clean technology operating in the more material space to really understand, hey, what it's like to build a full industrial process? Mm-hmm. Because those are the players that we want on board. Those people are very helpful for us and they'll help us scale this rapidly. Uh, we also do work with the mines. So their help in financing a lot of the buildup of the actual cap, uh, the CapEx on site is very, very critical. So we do look to have source of capital from them as well. And lastly, of course, the output buyers, people like Lockheed, Boeing, et cetera. Those players, we produce these rare earth metals uh, the very, very high value metals, critical in aerospace, critical defense, critical in renewable energy, which is one of the biggest things. The neodymium iron boron magnet is the thing that powers all of the uh, renewable energy industry and 97% of it's in China today. So working with those players to help us finance that as well is also a key part of what we do. So that's where I do expect it to come from. Uh, nice. And uh, and what areas do you need help or, uh, you know, if there are people listening uh, in the MCJ community that are excited about what you're doing, uh, that what, what can they do to help or what kinds of people would you want to hear from? First off, I always like to say anyone who likes metal, anyone who likes mining, anyone who likes uh, making a difference in the world, we'd always love to talk to passionate people. Uh, people is what makes it successful. Uh, my mother always told me that, you know, no one does anything great on your own and it's the people around you who make you great. So, uh, we always love to talk to anyone who's excited. So please reach out anytime for anyone. Uh, but we really do have three primary uh, focuses where we really, really need help immediately. So please reach out if you know anyone. First is hiring. We're, we're, you know, we're first-time founders. I'll be very transparent with everyone about it. Hey, we're looking to understand how do we best build the right team. So we're looking to find the top most driven scientists, the most driven engineers in the world to help join us and help find a way to build a, a zero-waste world. Uh, I'm happy to send out job descriptions on that. You can look on our website at Phoenix Dowlings and uh, Careers. Uh, we have a couple of jobs available, but even if you're not that specific person, just reach out anyway. We love talking to passionate people, specifically on the science side. Um, the second is, of course, any in the mining side, we do love building good partnerships with these mines. These are long-term arrangements. Uh, it's not a quick fix. We're not a quick sale. We cannot physically sell you anything right this second on a, on a, as a product sale, of course, but we want to build long-term relationships with mines. So uh, connections with the right people in the space who are passionate, driven, want to make a difference. We love talking to those folks. And of course, on the output side as well, we make uh, individual metal products. That's one of the biggest things, base metal products, things used in like pigments that are used in paint industries like Benjamin Moore and Bear are big players. The rare earth metals, like, like I said, Boeing, Lockheed, uh, as well as the um, GE and the other major players on the renewable energy side. 
Uh, we love to talk to those folks, Paul. We can't produce the actual physical products right this second. Some of them we do, of course, but small, very small amounts. Uh, we do want to get insight about how do we actually make a business uh, selling those materials at scale? Who do we talk to in these major corporations? How does it work? Anyone that has any insight on that would be very, very helpful. And of course, the last one, you know, I, I know I only said three, but I do have one more, which is anyone that understands how to work with the, on the grant side. We do look to work with the government agencies pretty extensively. This is very clearly down the path of many government grant focuses, but you know, we're still early on that. We don't know as much about that and would love to hear any insight that anyone has. So please reach out. We would love to talk to you. Nice. And is there anything I didn't ask that I should have or any parting words for now? I used to, well, on the pod, I say listeners and on the startup series, I say viewers, but actually now this startup series, we're doing both. So, so I'll say listeners or viewers because there's going to be some of each. <laughs> um, I would say the, the biggest thing is that, you know, Phoenix Stanley, I, I talked about a little bit in the beginning. We're not built. We didn't build technology out of a lab. We didn't build it out of your CR. We're not looking to just commercialize it right now. We saw a problem and we said, Hey, let's build the right technology to solve this problem. And so that's the big difference to, to us than others. And so we're, we're radically different in that regard in the sense that we're still building, we're still iterating, we're still making the best thing. So we want to talk to as many people as possible, not to necessarily even sell, but to actually hear what you have to say and hear your thoughts, because your insight as we're building makes it so critical because that way we can make the best possible product that actually solves this huge challenge of tailings waste, of carbon emissions, and makes the mining industry finally truly sustainable. We would love your insight. So really do please reach out. We love talking to anyone. So thank you. Awesome. Well, this was great, Nick. I, I thought I knew a lot of this already, but I learned so much. Uh, and I, I bet if we did it again, I would learn so much more again. So uh, it's awesome <laughs> what you're doing. Thanks for coming on the show and best of luck to you and the team. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jason. Pleasure to be here. Hey, everyone. Jason here. Thanks again for joining me on my climate journey. If you'd like to learn more about the journey, you can visit us at myclimatejourney.co. Note, that is .co, not .com. Someday we'll get the .com, but right now, .co. You can also find me on Twitter at jjacobs22, where I would encourage you to share your feedback on the episode or suggestions for future guests you'd like to hear. And before I let you go, if you enjoyed the show, please share an episode with a friend or consider leaving a review on iTunes. The lawyers made me say that. Thank you. Thank you.